So this is the final part of the Tommy Lee Book Club. But I think we've got to begin the same way that we began the first episode by doing um, the segment that Derek called the Have You Seen This? Have You Heard About This? Have you seen this? Um, Have you heard about this? Have you seen this? Yeah, that's just a little idea Derek came up with in the first place. Brand new to this podcast, never before yeah, tried this in any decade. form of media. But, uh, you know, everybody's talking about the Ariel Pink and John Mouse thing. These guys being at the weird uh, insurrection snafu, let's say. The, uh, the fest on the White House lawn. Yeah, <laughs> the little uh, lo-fi indie pop music festival they held out there. Little conservative Coachella. It's called Little Mega Maidan. <laughs> yeah, that's more accurate Co- there. Coachella East. Uh, <laughs> uh, DC City Limits. Governor's Ball 2. President's Ball. So apparently the guy who draws those mouse comics about the Holocaust got canceled for saying the cats were the good guys in an interview. Hmm. Is that what happened? Who's the guy that draws the mouse comics? John Mouse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't know I didn't know he was a multidisciplinary artist, my bad. He's very intelligent. <laughs> you can tell because he talks so much. I think it's kind of been done to death this week of talking about the fact that those guys were at that event, but Derek kind of dug up something else about John Mouse that I wasn't aware of that I feel like is worth sharing. Um, okay, I didn't. I didn't dig it up. I didn't hack anybody. Well, you dug it up by going to archive.org and found something from 2012. So that's like ancient that's, history, you know. That's a yeah. type of uh, time hacking. I, right. It's 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 history. It's public. It's part of the public record. And uh, you know, as these uh, indie rock musicians are uh, public figures. Uh, we we must uh, investigate their past, right? It's really important for us to know what kind of people they are. Background checks for every performer at Coachella. As <laughs> I think it's part of our due diligence as a group of guys here talking about Tommy Lee. Um, so, you know, if we're going to talk about another musician, do the same sort of research into right. uh, th- their storied past. We're talking about we, a. We, we've already seen. Uh, we're talking about accountability here. Uh, jock rock. Yeah, we'd be doing a disservice to ourselves and the listeners were we not to, you know, cover this. Yeah. So essentially, it was like 2012 ish, and so he had released a new single at the time, and a music writer wrote him an open letter. They said. And I'm not sure if they emailed it to him or what. Also, but they were like, you know, maybe he was going to respond, maybe he wouldn't. And then three weeks later, he went on this person's music blog and wrote 24,000 words worth of comments. And it's just a completely like psychotic rambling that goes on for, you know, the length of like half of Tommy Lee's book, I guess. I need to hear the song Um, he's talking about. I think psychotic (laughs) is almost giving it too much credit. Like... Like you hear psychotic rambling and you think, oh, it's, it's, you know, the rantings of a madman, you know, it's fucking Carl Jung's red book. It's, there's, there's maybe something, uh, something ecstatic and magical in there, but it's more like being stuck with a super annoying fucking nerd at a party. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's more like a, it's more like a dissertation, or it's more like a guy t- telling you about his dissertation. Yes, 
yeah, that's that's it. Until it gets to the most intriguing part where it's just many, many unrequited, uh, unresponded to emails to some woman whose name he redacts uh, that span like 2005 to I don't know how many years later. But there's just a whole bunch of them. And it's super creepy well, shit. The, the, the context for that is uh, the person interviewing him says... So what's the deal with uh, this song, Bennington? This is a good song, by the way. And the guy's like, what's the deal with the song? What uh, is that about a particular girl or whatever? You know, and it seems like uh, in every interview about every song, they just say, you know, what's this song about? It's about a girl. And, nor and normally, I guess, uh, well, I don't know. There's some musicians here uh, in the chat. But I think normally what people do is go, yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, they move on to the next question. But uh, for whatever reason, John Mouse goes, ah, yes, it's about a girl. And uh, here are all the emails I wrote to her and she did not respond to. <laughs> and then he attaches a bunch of like fucking manic, crazy, I guess romantic, but also like really pathetic emails to this. Uh, I mean, it's in public. It's it's not good. It's It just made me feel like, oh. Uh, something bad was going on in John Mouse's life when he wrote these things and also when he decided to share that he wrote these things. I think and, I think uh, it's the same bad thing that has continued to to go on in John Mouse's life to this point in time. Namely, like it's it's John Mouse. <laughs> like <laughs> he's a, a common stimulants here. all the time and is surrounded by people who tell him he's a genius. Yes. That's which is what made mm. David Bowie a Nazi. <laughs> 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 he, he needs to calm down. Yeah. Get into downers for a while. A taste, a taste of these um emails though. I don't know, Derek, do you want to read the ones in the screenshot that you sent us? I listened to this song and it's pretty good i'd give it like a seven out of ten yeah okay just want to make sure seven out of eight seven um, out of twelve <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if i'm i'm not comfortable reading these these emails i'm i i would i would be worried if somebody took a voice clip of me reading them that's how that's how cringy they are we're gonna name this episode derek's messages to his ex-girlfriend <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we helped Derek uh, reach out to his ex-girlfriend to get her back, uh, and uh, return the sex that she owes him. All right. Well, if Derek is too uh, scared to be incriminated by reading them, then I got to do it. We'll just. This is a selection that goes from 2008 to about nine months later in 2009. The first one in June 2008 is. You're still the most beautiful woman in the world. So this is three years after he started emailing her without responses. And then it says he even included no reply beneath it. Then November 2008. Truly, it never ceases to amaze me how perfectly beautiful you are in these photographs. It is like getting punched in the stomach every time you put a new one up. I look at them and they make me wish we lived in Mongol hordes instead of America, you know? So I could just give your father all the whale blubber I had in exchange for your dowry. No reply. Uh, fact check. Were the Mongols big whale? Was that a big whaling culture? I don't whale? think so. I think they were famous for horses. <laughs> Not and, at all. And I think they that were, the... Uh, I think the University of Hawaii should uh, uh, retract John Mouse's uh, political science PhD or political philosophy or whatever it is. 
Yeah. Yeah. Is it, there an opposite of an honorary degree where you just take away a normal degree? In Game of Thrones, <laughs> the fake Mongols they have don't know what boats are. Yeah, they're a horse. They're, they live on the steppe. They're a horse. They're like there's like a big people. wooden horse that you sit on, and it makes you go in the water. Like they, yeah. If he said steppe uh, peoples were not whaling culture. If he said I, uh, so I, uh, so I could just give your father all the yak fat blubber I had in exchange for your dad. I mean, that would make sense, <laughs> right? Or like all the horse, yeah, all the horse blubber. Yeah, if you're gonna be that uh, self-consciously smart of a guy. You can't get stuff like that wrong. You can't show that you don't know what Mongols are. Yeah. If you're going to be like, yeah, I have four PhDs and I write 50,000 words every day uh, unsolicited about my genius yeah. thoughts, <laughs> you better be dotting the I's and crossing the T's, brother. Yeah, this is 2008. They had Wikipedia. I, I didn't know that John Mouse was like this. Um uh, I, I don't know. This 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 kind of stuff sort of affected my opinion of him more than him showing up at the Capitol. Because showing up at the Capitol is like, yeah, you know, everybody knows that sucks mm-hmm. or whatever. But uh, this is like, oh, man, Andy's not fun to talk to. But the combination of those things make each one less surprising, right? Yeah. I Yeah, I knew he was like I mean, a it, weird it, uh, neurotic guy with like a an eccentric public image. But I didn't know that he was this insufferable. A little weird creep. He's just. I a mean, I could read a couple more. Freak of these, who never shuts up. I don't well, think we even got to the worst of it, but there's a lot of it. So. Well, I mean, right after that, he like no reply, and then what? A month later, he says, "The next time you get a chance, watch a bird hop around on the ground. It's really funny." So he goes. I mean, it's weird to see that kind of stuff like interspersed between where he writes like these crazy long paragraphs, um, and then it's like things like that with these cutesy little. Yeah observation that's how you know he's just harassing this woman because it's just super fucking weird and intermittent and shit yeah and it's just sprinkled some whimsy sprinkled in there with you know so you know he's kind of like he's just like he's got this kind of just funny like this is whimsical take on the world but then it's also like completely academic and and insufferable as well so i I guess i guess what i'm saying is it sort of he's a well-rounded insufferable guy yeah yeah. Not just in one direction. He's got he's got a whole portfolio of things he can say that will upset you, but in different ways. This is not very good weird, at though, grammar cause... and stuff either. No. <laughs> For someone That's who went to thing. college, like he's got um. Let's see, three of these mouse boys, boy apostrophe s, are attorneys. Attorneys capitalized. Uh, that also has an apostrophe plural. And every sentence ends with an ellipsis. <laughs> mm. He's got surgeon is capitalized, married is capitalized. Like that's how you know uh, that stuff. That at, you know at least to romantic. me, I see that in a like that's a good way to tell that someone's not smart. But I think he is no, smart. But it's like doing, it's, it's weird. Like why why the fuck are you capitalizing high school? He's doing the David Foster Wallace thing. He's like referring to the concept behind the thing. Yeah, just doing the dumb guy's version of the David Foster. But the apostrophe thing. What if he is doing that? Is not uh, justifiable. (laughs) Yeah, the apostrophe (laughs) thing. Like, how do you not know that? He has a PhD. Um, I was just thinking, remember, like, uh, maybe in like 2010 or so, there was that incredibly stupid series of books that was like. Pride and Prejudice with zombies or whatever. Yes. Yeah. They should do that where they just take public domain books and then put an ellipsis at the end of every sentence in the whole book. <laughs> <laughs> Treasure Island, mysterious version. <laughs> yeah. 
It was the best of times, dot, 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 dot. It was the worst of times, dot, dot, dot. I feel like, I, I don't know, rereading these, I feel like this was a personality that some guys, and it was always guys around this time, adopted. And it's a, mm-hmm. and, and it, it's a really weird non-personality to adopt en masse. But like, yeah, reading these back, it just reminds me of like other insufferable people I dealt with in the music uh, industry, you know, <laughs> other performers. And around the time that, uh, around the time that he was sending the, the 2000, I guess around 2008, 2009, I had the deep misfortune to play a festival in in Estonia with him and my band and and him were the two like international headliners I guess for this one night and the the people putting on the fe- it was a DIY festival the people putting it on were so nice they they didn't have a lot of money they were bending over backwards to make everybody feel at home and I remember we got in the van and we had to pick John Mao's up from the hotel and he basically got in the van and he had a hoodie on and he, everybody introduced themselves and he pulled the strings on his hoodie. So it was just looked like a tight little asshole and like kind of forlornly gazed at the, out the window and just grunted monosyllabic answers to like the promoter was like, welcome to our beautiful city of Tallinn. Um, we're so excited to have you here. And he was just like, eh, yeah, yeah, thanks. Uh, okay. And then, like, set up and threw a tantrum immediately. So I liked John Mouse's music before that, and then I never listened to it again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, In his fair. mind that whole time, he was drafting his next email to this woman he harasses every three months. Yeah, yeah. Screen Memories was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I, did, I did, like, a few tracks off that. But, but I wish he would put more of that shit in the music. Like, the thing about... Man, like, he, I he don't. He has all of this, like... Or at least find a way to, um, like, sublimate it into something instead of just spitting it into emails. Like, he knows all of this shit and he has all these experiences, but he's just telling a woman for, like, a year, like, all the different stuff he does. I, like, why don't he, you... he does not need to write songs that are like these emails. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what, that's, that's what I was going to say, though, is, like, I like the songs, yeah. but... The songs are like simple. They're even kind of stupid. There's one that's like Dumpster Baby. Oh, yeah. yeah. That one. So, I remember the that. The lyrics one. are like about putting a baby in the, in the dump. Yeah, trash. Some of them are I mean, like that's one line. That's, that's good just shit. An, it's always sunny in Philadelphia yeah. plot. He's got room for some more lyrics. But then where he fucks it up is when he does an interview, there's a thesis behind Dumpster Baby that is alienating to anyone who's reading it and is like, I like the song Dumpster Baby. And it's alienating. Right. It's alienating on purpose. Because the the whole point of the interview is to make you know that John Mouse is a smart guy. Yeah. Instead of yeah, just saying, so oh, yeah, I just thought it'd be um, funny to it, say, take the baby to the dump, uh, you know, dumpster baby. I thought that would be funny. And that's really all there is, which is like what everybody, what everybody who's not acquainted with him, myself included, because I never really looked into him much. You know, that's that's the conclusion I would come to. But then you hear that. It's like, oh, uh it's actually about getting rid of the baby inside of you. We all have inside a, of all of us and putting it into the dumpster. We of all have society. a baby in our heads that must be destroyed. That was his rationalization behind Cop Killer, right? Yeah. Is, uh, he has this track, Cop Killer, which is a good song because it's talking, it says, uh, you know, kill all the cops, kill every cop inside. And you're like, wow, that's pretty badass. And then in an interview, he's like, you know, but not any real cops. I just mean like, 
Yeah, uh, the no, a cup could be anything. Cups. It could be an idea. It could be a word, man. Yeah, it's just the the lamest deflection yeah. you could imagine. He needs a cop in his mind. A cop could be someone who tries to uh, cancel you. You know, or, that's a cop. Or a woman who doesn't reply to your emails over the course of a year. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> whatever. You know, you use your imagination. It's whatever you can think of. So I think it's it's time to segue from dumpster baby to pool baby. <laughs> pool baby. <laughs> get into uh, Tommy Lee's new the song featuring Tommy Chad stuff. Kroger. Yeah. Pool baby. So yeah, on the last episode, we did promise that we were going to listen to uh, Tommy Lee's album that came along with this book. I listened to the first half of it. I think I got a pretty good feel for it. Um, I know, Alex, you were checking I it out. I listened to two songs, and they were practically identical. Yeah. So I felt like I didn't have to listen to the rest. Like I did a fair sampling of the record. And it just sounds like If you like remember Nickelback. Mainstream Rock in 2005, you've heard this album. Yes. Yep. Yeah. That's it's, It feels even too dated already. I, I was confused, though. though. Like, yeah, it was like 2001 like, stuff. I thought it was going to sound Tommy like... That's what always does. I thought it was going to sound like Motley Crue, but it doesn't sound like Motley Crue. It sounds like Nickelback. Yeah. I mean, is that no, weird? No, that's a that's a trajectory. I think that I think is kind of it. It makes more sense to me, honestly, where he thinks he's he's striking out into some sort of new territory musically or whatever, yeah. or creating an identity from him that like for himself that kind of um, differentiates him from his previous body of work. But it unfortunately that 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 um, that artistic choice he made um, like just sort of adds him to the debris that populated that whole genre of music around that era yeah and i and it I kind of he had sense much that... influence on the sound of molly crew i think That's that was all point, Nikki i don't think he had much influence yeah. on the sound of his solo album it seems like you know like from what we we're yeah from, was... what we were talking about before like butch walker the guy that produced it who also produced ratitude is that what is that what you're saying alex yeah, yeah for weezer yeah and he also did uh, Green Day's new album, Father of All Motherfuckers. I, th- I think there's a Butch Walker sound, <laughs> and it's taking people who are out of ideas and partnering them with people who are like <laughs> exactly. five, five years out of date, kind of. And then he's worked yeah, with a bunch of happens. good artists after any of them were good. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I think the fundamental thing here is that Tommy Lee is just him as a person is kind of a blank slate. Like I don't think he really influences anything around him so much as he is the. Re- He's the receptor, yeah. not the He's along for the ride. That's why it's called yeah. Tommy Land I mean, the Ride. <laughs> yeah. Musically, he's the receptor, but lifestyle-wise, he's the one who's uh, shooting uh, whiskey at them out of his windshield wipers. So he is definitely influencing people, but not in the music. <sighs> I forgot about that. You know what the I label fucking... that released Tommy Land the Ride is? TL <laughs> no. Education Services Incorporated. <laughs> I assume that stands for Tommy Land, and it's like a shell yeah, corporation they set be. up for Tommy Goes to College. Oh, so yeah, sweet. <laughs> yeah, it's an education I, nonprofit. I found it to help children. To his credit, that's a pretty good bit. It is. It's an educational album. Um, actually, I guess while we're talking about the idea of Tommy Land itself, um, I have a passage I pulled last time, but that we didn't get to. Might be worth uh, getting just reading a few paragraphs of this. Yeah. Uh, this is from the year that Pamela Anderson made for his birthday, the actual Tommy land in their home. And here's how he describes it. That little pleasure carnival was the mm. closest I've ever been to seeing the circus that matches through my head 
actually, oh, the circus that marches through my head, actually walking around in real life. There were tents with tons of pillows on the floor, midgets wandering around on stilts, a cage of tigers, one of my favorite animals, and contortionists from Cirque de Soleil performing for us. There was a Ferris wheel, a merry-go-round, and one of those crazy swing rides that has no other purpose but to make you sick and dizzy. The little people, which is what they like to be called, after he just called them midgets three sentences ago. <laughs> and well, dudes he, he's on been stilts. learning and growing since then. Yeah, it's true. Uh, they greeted everyone as they arrived. The little guys blew horns, rang bells, rolled out a red carpet, and shouted, Welcome to Tommyland, in their little munchkin voices, <laughs> as we all walked between rows of torches into my kingdom. I thought, finally, we hear, we're here. I've made it to the land of Oz. Wait, I thought it was Tommyland. God damn. <laughs> the Tommy even Land that's of Oz. unoriginal. It's just the Wizard he of Oz. Can't, he can't. He can't <laughs> even hold his own. The single fantasy that he has, he can't even hold that image in his head. It's just <laughs> for two blown paragraphs. away like a cloud. You know. <laughs> he said tigers are one of his favorite animals. I want to see the list of his favorite animals. I do too. <laughs> like, actually. how long could he get into it without listing one that's not a real animal? Like a dragon. It's all the last animal he's seen. <laughs> I'm actually shocked. At the end of the book where all the chapters become like five paragraphs long, I'm shocked he didn't just list his favorite colors and animals and shit like that. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue. <laughs> I like them in the order God created them. <laughs> Derek Wibley played guitar on this. Dave Navarro. Ooh. Phil. Friend of the show. Friend Phil. of the show. He doesn't know it. Who is the new guitarist for Bon Jovi after Richie Sambora left because he's too ugly? Oh, funny. <laughs> Wait, wasn't it Richie Sambora who who did it? Who ended up marrying um, Tommy's first wife? Oh yeah, yeah. He married Heather Locklear. Yeah. And and Tommy said they split up because, well, I think it was because uh, he got he got caught getting his knob slobbed by a porno hoe, but mm -hmm. um. He said it was because Heather Locklear didn't want to have kids, and he wanted to have kids. But then when she married Richie Sambora, they immediately had kids. Yeah. So is having the Bon Jovi, like Richie Sambora's replacement guitarist on his solo album, some kind of dig at Sambora? It feels like that, but I don't think Tommy Lee is coherent Kate, enough to... Yeah, I don't think he's capable yeah. enough to Because that happened in... Sun Tzu Machiavelli. That happened in He probably, like... He probably, like wanted him to do it with that in mind but by the time he actually showed up to record he was like what the fuck what are you doing here and like he's like you know well i guess we'll just go with it he has a like, guitar yeah he has a guitar he knows what he okay yeah sure cool tell tell richie i said hi he's great <laughs> like i don't think i don't think like thoughts stay in his head for for too long it's funny that like the heather locklear thing so it's like he got like he got his you know he destroyed his marriage with her um because yeah he did get his he got his dick sucked uh behind her back and then there's like this chapter like state of lawlessness aka the code of the road and like the first two paragraphs are just him like railing against guys having sex with people who aren't their wives and how it's so fucked up and how like it's like it's not a, it that it's not just wrong it's fucking insane and it's like <laughs> I, like, yeah, I we don't sort of we touched on that last time of just like he forgets so quickly the thing he was just talking about in his own life. Mm -hmm. um, but like speaking of 
uh, failed relationships and stuff. Uh, last time we mentioned his girlfriend, he was talking. Well, the girlfriend he was talking about at his fortieth birthday when he was um, licking the spout of the Jaeger machine. Uh, I read the full chapter about her, and she's Prince's ex-wife. Actually. Oh my god! <laughs> no, no shit. <laughs> oh yeah. So I think we I didn't read know that. how to. We didn't know how to pronounce her name, but he says it's Maite is how you say it. But uh, I have a couple of good questions about her, or at least one that's about her here. So I might as well get to this brief quiz I've got. Um, that's a real height what? jump. Fucking two different uh, men. <laughs> Going from Prince to Tommy Lee. The yeah. physics of it are all yeah. different. Yeah. But... Um, what happened when Tommy met Maite? Uh, A, he babbled at her, wow, nice to touch you. You are gorgeous. B, it was awkward. Or C, he just stared at her like a homeless man looking at a steak. Or D, all of the above. I'm going to go with all of the above. All of the above. That's right. Oh, well, I mean, this being Tommy Lee, I thought there would be an option that would be like extra gross. I mean, he did stare at her like a homeless man looking at a steak, and he did say, wow, nice to touch you. I don't think that's, like, normal. It worked. Oh, uh, well. Just like licking yeah. Pam Anderson's face. Guess you and I are different, my friend. Yeah, that's true. It actually is more normal than that. Yeah, at least it's not transferring any diseases directly. <laughs> uh, an interesting note, Richie Sambora and Heather Locklear got divorced in January 2006. Huh. Which was six months after the Tommy Land album came out. So it's uh, probably very likely that him including Richie Sambora's Bon Jovi replacement on his solo album is what caused them to get divorced. <laughs> well, or the book the was so good that Heather Locklear wanted to get back with him. Yeah, yeah she was reading the chapter with his dick and was yeah. like, man, I miss his dick so much. Heather, <laughs> Heather, what are this you reading? This is really smart, too. Nothing, never mind. Not reading anything. Yeah, <laughs> she's got Tommy Land in like inside a copy of the New York Times that folds it up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, on the note of Prince, on the new Tommy Lee album Andro, which came out this year, um, or twenty twenty, twenty or twenty twenty. I forgot it's a different year. It's all the same uh, kind of guests, so it's minus even ten years. Eight years, ten years, people who are relevant back then. So he's got Mickey Avalon from MySpace, uh, Josh Todd from Buck Jerry, who does a skit, uh, Post Malone, who is a current artist. That's the one current artist. Brooke Candy, who is a sex rapper from years ago. Um, and Lucas Rossi, who won Rockstar Supernova, the reality show Tommy Lee was on uh, <laughs> around this time in 2006, I think. And he did a Prince cover, When You Were Mine, one of my favorite Prince songs with Lucas Rossi, and it sounds like fucking shit. It sounds like a like an overproduced uh, post-dubstep, like blown-out EDM slow version of it. It sucks. It's so bad. I don't know why they picked that song and why they decided to slow it way down and fuck it up. It would be a good song to um, teach someone what it sounds like to overcompress something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just be like, here, listen. Here, the reason this song sounds like shit is that. And the original of that song was so good because of the arrangement. It was like 
a tinny drum machine and a clean guitar. It was very simple, and it was supposed to be like a throwback rock and roll thing. Yeah. But they blew it out. They blew its pussy right out, and it's disgusting now. It's extremely breezy, like the original is like... uh kind of lets the the weight of the lyrics like carry the song so good man i i don't know why they picked that one it's so weird maybe it's um to get revenge on maite by covering her ex-husband maybe he is kind of aware of that i don't know but i really don't think he is i think he's just no he's not aware prince exists in his brain but he doesn't connect those dots yeah those connections cannot be made I think I want to touch on a couple things that happened in Tommy Lee's trip to Morocco because <laughs> he went there for Puff Daddy's birthday party with uh, Maite. And I mean, I just got to read this paragraph. Like speaking of him not being able to hold a thought in his head for like more than a second, sentence to sentence, this is just an incredible paragraph. Uh, this is like, you know, he's hanging out with like Maite and his other friend or whatever. We were having a great day until I got bit by a monkey. <laughs> This guy comes up to us, pimping the little guy for money. Morocco is a third world country, so people make money however they can. Class consciousness. I love monkeys because we had one in my house when I was a kid. (laughs) To go, that's, I love that like one two combo of Morocco is a third world country. I love monkeys because we had one in my house when I was a kid, so I was psyched. When I go to touch this little monkey, he grabs my finger, puts it in his mouth, and chomps down on it hard as fuck. Oh, damn. I'm thinking about all the diseases going around Morocco (laughs) and how I've probably just gotten all of them. I was lucky that fucker didn't break my skin. I couldn't believe it when the guy asked me for money. I wasn't going to pay for a monkey bite. That's fucked up. I would like him. I wish he actually detailed which diseases he thinks is going around in Morocco. Yeah. Also, <laughs> yeah. you know these diseases in Morocco. Uh, yeah, the, uh, rock and roll fever, diseases. the boogie woogie flu. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right across. He probably Spain. brought rock most of the diseases there. He brought like eight types of uh, like hepatitis there. Yeah, he gave hepatitis to the monkey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the monkey died after that. <laughs> What were you supposed to do with that monkey? What was the deal with that? The guy said he was pimping it out. Like, <laughs> what does that mean? Like, the guy like holds out the monkey and then you try to touch it and it bites you? And then he asks <laughs> you for money? Like, This sounds like Tommy Lee was very drunk and he didn't understand what was going on. Yeah, maybe it's just a guy walking his pet monkey home. Basically. Like, I think he just got bit yeah. by a monkey. Yeah. He got bit by someone's yeah. pet That's monkey. That's guy the... was like, hey, hey, what are you doing? And he, and he hey, leave my monkey alone. The monkey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But, like, the third world to him is the third world because there's, like, street entertainers and shit. That's the other thing. Yeah. Like, if he was this, in, like, he's Greek. Like he, like, Morocco sees a guy selling cotton candy a, or something. Like, whoa, the third world yeah. here. What's this crazy It's about shit? on the same level as I Greece. was going to say, I've, I've been to, I, you know, he mm-hmm. was in Athens in the 80s. Like, come on, dude. <laughs> so, uh, but piggybacking off of his stories from Morocco, I've got one other question here. And so, you know, like, like I said, he's in Morocco for Puff Daddy's birthday. And what did he see when he arrived in Morocco? A, men playing those long, crazy Middle Eastern trumpets. <laughs> B, 
Women singing in traditional Muslim style, <laughs> that strange yell that is somewhere between a chant and a yodel. Awesome. C, models from New York and Paris getting all crazy all over the place. Mm. This is a bit of a trick question, I have to say. Mm. Can I say all of them? A, B, and C? So, that's half right. Like, I was trying to do a trick here where I said, what did he see? The only thing he saw was A, men playing those long, crazy Middle Eastern trumpets. He technically only heard, according to him, the women singing in traditional Muslim style. And then the models from New York and Paris who were getting all crazy all over the place, that was actually later at Puff Daddy's party, not when he arrived. Uh, so, uh, it was a little, uh, a little bit of a switcheroo. felt that one. Yeah. I'm going to say again, for someone who is Greek and was in Athens, like talking about Muslim yodeling singing is kind of rich, man. Because <laughs> uh, traditional Greek singing just sa- it's it just sounds like Turkish music, dude. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, what a beautiful moron! He should have a show like Anthony Bourdain, where he just like gets off the plane. And he's like, "What the fuck is that?" Whoa, whoa! I would uh, I would watch that. I would absolutely watch that. Yeah. <laughs> I would watch a show where he was. I would watch a show where he was like an Iron Chef type show, where he had to where he had to cook something, and as has like I assume he has no idea what any ingredient is. Like just watching, yeah. <laughs> watching him try to bite into like a, a like a piece of horseradish root, like an apple, and be like, "This isn't very good," <laughs> and like having no idea, no fucking idea, or even or just actually not even that. I, I take I took that too like too abstract. Just like him biting into an apple and being like, "What the fuck is that?" Yeah. And, like, <laughs> Like you don't have, I, I keep giving him too much credit in my mind, but yeah, he definitely feels like a crunchy doesn't candy. like cocktails. He just drinks I would like to, Jaeger, so I assume he's not cooking. Yeah, Mm-mm. I would like to see a Vice produced show where they drop him into like uh, sort of conflict hot spots, like they embed him with Azov Battalion for <laughs> a week, and then he goes to Darfur. I think that would be good. God. You just know that he would instantly, any kind of like horrific people you put him with, he'd be like, these guys are all right. Sergei told me about this amazing book called The Protocols of the Elders of Zion. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting <laughs> stuff, man. It's a lot like my book, Tommyland. Yeah, as an author, I could appreciate it. Mine Tomf. Uh, I would like to see a travel show that's like uh, maybe Dan goes around and travels with him, and then it could be like a goofus and gallant of international. And also, travel. John, which Mouse. one's which? I would <laughs> cry. <Yeah>. No. <laughs> well, there's Can a I... twist to it, and that Dan, that at the beginning of the whole recording thing, they give Dan a gun, and it only has one bullet in it. <laughs> it's for me. The bullet is for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, yeah, I was gonna say that you have to make this choice. That is yeah, your choice. Yeah. Right. That's the only way they to give get you out a single-use, a, yeah. a single-use James Bond license to. That kill. is a real fucking <laughs> Sophie's choice. There, like you're, yeah, yeah, just uh, yeah. Oh man, I hate thinking about you that. You have a, a fox, a goose, and John Mouse, <laughs> and you have to get all three of them across the river. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> actually, Thad if and John Tommy Lee would probably get along. With the goose, a lot. he will start crying. <laughs> oh, and he's scared of the fox. So, <laughs> <laughs> he 
He's going to start telling the fox about how beans came from Mongol hordes. <sighs> they just, they invented beans. They loved beans. Man, I don't, I don't want to think about the fox and the goose riddle anymore. Too hard? <laughs> it's No, it's, it's the magic has been stripped from it for me. Um, I, I think one of the, like, the funniest things, I didn't really talk about it in the, when I was mentioning the, when I was mentioning his code of the road and how, like, he just, like, rails on, on, on all this shit about, about, like, these guys doing stuff behind uh, women's, like, their wives' backs or whatever, but, like, uh, you know, he's like, he says, like, what the fuck is the point of getting married if you plan on fucking around? I'm not naming names, but I've seen guys do crazy shit I really couldn't believe, and, like, Part of me wants to believe that he actually saw that and, like, he's trying to espouse some sort of moral code, even though he, he has absolutely no claim to it. But most of me believes that he saw that he was doing those things and he saw it in a mirror and he's he's forgotten that it was him doing it. And he's just like his brain has already been like, yeah, there's like the, the shit the guys did on tour is crazy. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I man, he's such a I mean, I can't even imagine that he actually cared about what guys did on tour, except maybe like as he was writing the book, he was like, oh, I don't want to sound like an asshole. <laughs> Chapter nine. Now's my chance to finally not seem like an asshole. I mean, like, you know, earlier in the book, he's talking about like fucking chicks behind uh, his girlfriend or wife's back or whatever. So it's not like he didn't right, care. Right. <laughs> That's like the the fake moral outrage of it is like, you know, I can't believe that that dude who brings me cocaine in a turned upside down bottle cap on stage was cheating on his girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) What a shock to me. (laughs) Yeah. It's a very Facebook guy outlook. I guess dumb guys in general that they've done stuff and then they stop doing it and they become super adamant about it. Yes. Like guys who got like a domestic abuse charge and then they're like, you know, if you fucking hit a woman, I'll fucking kill you. Look, the only reason I did it is because I didn't know it was bad. I've so changed. I'm telling you now, yeah. don't do it. <laughs> well, in his defense, like for all the talk that we've we've had about the fact that Tommy Lee like, really cannot remember like anything that he's like saying for more than a paragraph. At the beginning of chapter 10, he does say, it's time for me to admit something. I have a terrible memory. I'm not sure if I've always had a terrible memory because I just can't remember. But I do know that I have a bad one now. So he does at least kind of cop to that. I mean, not that not that it really gets him off the hook because like he wrote all this down, so you could just go back and read it. Yeah, um, that's true. It's like memento. Yeah. He has to write the whole text of the book on his body so he can reread it every morning. And I think there's a big difference between having a terrible memory and being born into every uh, like successive minute uh, a new person blinking and opening your mouth and going, "Wow, <laughs> where am I?" Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Oh, actually, um, Alex, on piggybacking off of what you said about it's like kind of like a Facebook guy mentality. Uh, I think this is maybe my favorite quote I found this time around. And it ends up in just classic like Facebook boomer meme territory here where this is a paragraph where he's thinking about what he would do if he had a daughter. Oh, yes. For a minute... For a minute, I thought it would be rad to have a little girl. Then I thought about how protective I'd be when she became a teenager. We're protective of that kid in the pool. (laughs) (laughs) He's only protective of teenagers. She'd be lucky if she made it. I thought about her. Yeah, goo. 
I thought about her going on dates with guys and how motherfucking horny teenage dudes are. Fuck, how motherfucking horny all dudes are. I didn't like the thought of that one bit until I figured out how I would handle it. When the guy showed up to take my daughter out, I'd pull him aside. Whatever you do to my daughter, I'm going to do to you, I'd tell him. Mm -hmm. You kiss her, I'm kissing you. You suck her titties, I'm going to suck your titties. You fuck her, I'm fucking you. Which is to uh, say, please do whatever you want, because I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. <laughs> so, so in other words, uh, he's threatening to rape the man who has consensual relations with his daughter, whom he loves. I assume this That's is right. like a 16-year-old. Yeah, that's true. It's also an underage. I don't think that's a great idea. (laughs) Which I don't know if this is helping. Yeah, I don't know what effect this is going to have. It's going to get you in trouble if you do that. Yeah, you're probably just going to go to jail, and like the guy's dad is going to come and say the same thing to you. Like, if you suck my son's nipples, I'm going to suck your nipples. And then it's just everybody's (laughs) everybody's nipples are going to be red and irritated, and it's going to be a bad night. What were we talking about? Yeah. <laughs> this is what, no. This is what Gandhi was talking about with the eye for an eye thing. <laughs> yeah, except it's it's Tommy Lee doing it to a kid who's on water polo team. Yeah. Anytime two teenagers go out with each other, it ends with their dads fucking out of spite and anger. And who's to say that's wrong? Yeah. Yeah. That's I, just think the way that's, it is. I think that was in Plato's Republic, actually. Yeah. Whatever you yeah. do to my daughter, I'm gonna do to your dad. <laughs> And your dad's going to do to me in the back seat. You can take my T-Bird out, but me and the other guy's dad are going to be out in the back seat kissing each other the whole time. I've got another good unrelated one here uh, where he's just like describing the other members of Motley Crue. And this paragraph is he clearly just doesn't know what an introvert is. And it's the craziest thing on earth to him that Mick Mars is introverted. He says... He would never in his life walk up to someone and say, hey, dude, what's happening? He was cool with those of us in the band and our inner circle. But whenever anyone outside of our little army spoke to him, his reaction was, what the fuck do you want? I fucking love that about him. This is what makes Mick one of the most unique, amazing people I know. Yeah, well, it's sort of like how dogs are mystified by cats, you know. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. To, to put it simply, it. yeah. <laughs> it's like for to, to a dog's brain, they just cannot process the way cats operate. So it's like, man, this is fucking, that guy's crazy. Tommy Lee's always sniffing around the litter box for Mick Mars's turds. <laughs> <laughs> he knows that he doesn't like to play, but his poop tastes great. <laughs> Mick Mars is always getting stuck in the screen door <laughs> and, and Tommy Lee's just barking at him Tour manager has a laser pointer <laughs> Yeah I never, not once did I ever see Mick Mars dragging his asshole around on the carpet Which I did all the time <laughs> when my ass itched It's crazy, he just had such self-discipline, really introverted guy <laughs> Tommy Lee in the green room after the show would get into the garbage can and just drag it <laughs> all over the floor. <laughs> yeah, everybody else is shaking a can of pennies at him, trying just to get him away from up the couch. <laughs> just going buck wild. 
Vince Neil is a bullfrog. <laughs> Man, I I've just like idly browsing around, but uh, just through this, and I'm I'm in the Pam Anderson chapter, and we already talked about how like his thoughts on circumcision and all that. But did we talk about the music that they were listening to when uh, when she gave birth to their kids in the tub? No. Uh, yeah, he said, okay, when each of our boys was born, there were lit candles everywhere and soft music playing. It was Andrea Bocelli and Orbital. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, was, it, was, it was Tiesto's night, tra- uh, night train playing. Suburban train, sorry. And uh, yeah, it was a really magical experience. I don't, it's just so funny to me that he put on Orbital. <laughs> His wife is giving birth at a tub. That's insane. At the same it's time. It's a shame it, it wasn't... Uh, I wish it was more recent so like a Spotify ad would start in the middle of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You could hear about uh, fucking purple mattresses while you're trying to give birth to Tommy Lee's fucking <laughs> yeah. idiot son in the tub. And he's just... And like as he's looking at his son being birthed into the tub, he's like, one day you're going to go back into the water. <laughs> You're gonna find yeah, you're gonna find yourself at the at the bottom of another body of water. He does he does put his son back in that tub for his son's birthday, where he fills the tub with uh, Kool Aid. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> I hope he has more kids with Brittany Furlan. Yeah, which is like I, she's only thirty four. Uh, is that his wife right now? Uh, yeah, lowering your kid into a into a fucking red tub and be like, "Hey, you remember this? Do you yeah. remember this? Yeah. Does any of this seem familiar exactly. to you?" Water birth is so gross. That's so bad. And I'm reading, um, I'm reading just the end of the chapter where he talks about uh, how he let a kid drown in his pool, and the way it wraps up is 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 just totally bizarre. He says, uh, "A few months later, it happens. Boom! Lawsuit. I knew it was coming. Daniel's parents sue me. I think, fuck, this is it. I'm going down. I know my entire history will be used against me and taken out of context." Every single surface judgment that anyone has ever made about me will be exaggerated. Um, and then he talks about the, uh, he says, all I could do is tell the truth, be myself, and pray that they'd hear me, look past what they'd read, and recognize all the cheap tricks the other side's lawyers were using to paint a portrait of me. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just such a fucking weird thing to say in the middle of this semi-apology. Uh, and then he says, standing there hearing the decision that day, I'm relieved, but I'm not happy because there is no victory in this situation. How can anyone win when Daniel is dead? Why didn't he just yeah, give them just, a bunch of money? Yeah. Well, yeah. He he has the child's best interests at heart now like, that Why would he even let it get yeah. to a lawsuit? Exactly. Yeah. I like I like that in the middle of a book that's basically all about how he's a piece of shit. Um He's like, yeah, and they used tricks to make the jury yeah. think I was a bad person. Surface judgments. Like, he's a very deep person. He's lucky that the book wasn't out yet when he had the trial, because they could have just read from the book. Yeah. yeah, no shit. The lawyers used the dirty trick of, like, the well-documented history of a public figure's terrible behavior, you know? <laughs> like... Mr. Lee, does the term gummy bear mean anything to you? <laughs> um, that's... <sighs> They should have made Tommy land the ride, one of the exhibits of the trial, and then made the uh, jury listen to the full album, including the skit. Yeah, submit the album as evidence and make them play it in the courtroom. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's a good point, though. The skit. He's just trying to get a couple more plays. We should talk about that skit because um, he actually he kind of went for like the trifecta here. Where when we watched Tommy Lee goes to college, he had the British announcer who was all snooty. Then throughout this book, he has the snooty British announcer, like or the British editor, like interjecting. And then on the album, he has a snooty British butler saying how like rich and spoiled he is as a skit. So he really, really liked that bit at the time. Yeah, he watched he watched Austin Powers, and every time Austin Powers said anything, he's like, "That guy thinks he's so smart." <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "Damn, that guy is so smart." <laughs> he looks a lot like Doctor Evil. <laughs> They must be played should, by I think twins. I should, we should read one. We haven't really been talking that much or reading much of the um, British editor in the book, but I wrote one of them down, and it's um, like the italic text from the British editor is like telling Tommy Lee to change while to whilst, and Tommy Lee goes off on him saying, whilst? This isn't Shakespeare, Sherlock. Don't you need at least need to be a knight to use a word like that? <laughs> this isn't Shakespeare. Should we change Sherlock? all? Yeah. Yeah. Just Should we change all the cums literature to cometh's while we're at it? Save this shit for Sir Elton John's and Sir Paul McCartney's autobiographies, Squire. What? Like that didn't happen. The him. editor of this book, who is like, this is not a real publisher. <laughs> I doubt this went through more than one I, person. I did not know there was uh did not know there was an like editor. They did not they definitely did not tell him to say that. That's something he made up because he thought it would make him sound cool like saying like oh they they tried to ban this song because it was it rocked too hard but we said no. We're releasing it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, this guy doesn't even listen to his editors. He's a real rebel. He's like Milo Yiannopoulos. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right down to advocate, advocating for sucking uh, minors' nipples. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, a great right. point. Yep. Well, only in cases of revenge. Right, yeah. Only only when defending your family's honor. It's weird that he's one of those guys. Maybe he's uh, he's changed his mind about that by now. Because, like, his wife now, she's 34, so how old would she have been in 2005? Uh, like, 18? Yeah, so, when he was writing about that, that would have been a, a teenage girl he was talking about. And now he's fucking her. Um, oh, I found actually, uh, I found another conversation he has with this fictional British guy, where he's talking about how the paparazzi, uh, was... So the paparazzi, I'll just, I'll just read this back. One day, just after our son Brandon was born, I was in the driveway when I noticed a pine tree across the street swaying and there wasn't any wind. <laughs> I go over there and some motherfucker was up there in a tree with a camera waiting to snap the first picture of Pamela and our, Pamela and our son. Uh, I look up at him and say, dude, what the fuck are you doing up there? He says, bro, listen to me. If you can just get Pamela to come out here with your son, I'll take the picture and split the money with you. She'll never know. What is wrong with people? What kind of a guy did he think I was? I, th I thought about grabbing my chainsaw that you, I had right next to my, uh, this is uh, right next to my Jaeger machine and putting an end to this guy's future as a stockerazzi. <laughs> but I was too fucking disgusted and stunned. And then the British the British editor comes in and says, change Stalkerazzi to Pinerazzi. And he says, yuck, yuck, that's pretty funny, Paddington. Do you moonlight as a stand-up comedian? I can call the talent booker at The Tonight Show with Jay Leno if you need a hookup. 
God, that shit sucks. <sighs> really bad. Got bit. him. You got There's him. You got Paddington. The album, I think, on Tommy Land the Ride. Yeah, it's called The Butler, and it's him doing a British voice. It's like, oh, hello, good sir. Oh, and yeah, it's, he it's, got like the egot of British uh, stodgy guys because it was the book, the album, and the TV show. He loves it. Yeah, the the narrator from Tommy Goes to College. He loves that. He's loved that his whole life. The idea of a stodgy British guy. It delights him. Who yep. tells you to to talk like Shakespeare? The part of the story that he left out was when Pamela Anderson did come out and was like, "Why the fuck are you talking to that pa- that pine tree? There's nobody in it." <laughs> He's like, excuse me, my good lady. Does he actually have a chainsaw next to his Jaeger machine in the living room? Well, he did something detail he made up to sound cool. CJ embellished that. No, the part about the Jaeger machine I just threw in there, but he did say about getting into his chainsaw, which he which he definitely does not. He doesn't have. Why would he have a chainsaw? No, you have to keep him like gassed up and stuff and lubed, and you have to get the chain sharpened. It's a lot of. uh, No, I bet. Um, you also have to not be averse to like manual labor. Yeah. Yeah. It was probably given to him by Fred Durst. And fun fact, it's the same (laughs) chainsaw that skinned a guy's ass raw on break stuff. Yeah, I actually would love to. to see him cut down a, a tree with a chainsaw and, and do it without hurting himself or somebody else. Impossible. Impossible. Imp- imp- I would actually like to see him just start a chainsaw. <laughs> I, I mean, again, this is me giving him too much credit once again. I would just like to see him get a chainsaw started without fucking that another good up. TV show idea. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy Lee. Tommy Lee attempts to start various appliances without, without <laughs> losing a digit or uh, yeah breaking it. Yeah, it's like a YouTube series right there. Yeah, easy. Every uh, TV show idea we've had in this episode is better than the actual TV shows he's done. Hey, Tommy Lee, here's a sous vide cooker. What do you do with it? And just let and, let, and just let him just give it, just hand it to him, and let him figure out what to do. <laughs> yeah. don't, don't tell him what it's for. Just here you go. How long can Tommy use the blender be before he puts his fingers in it? Yeah, <laughs> just to hand yeah. Tommy a Vitamix. <laughs> um. I found a really good piece on his tattoos. Uh, there's, a, there's a whole article called, or whole chapter called Ink that is just fucking awful. But um, there's these two paragraphs. He's describing the tattoos that he has and why he has them. <laughs> uh, and he says, I've got koi fish tattooed on my arm and I have a koi pond. I've got a cheetah and someday I will have one. Most of what I have on my body has manifested itself in one way or another in my life. So there's that. And then a few paragraphs later, he says, if there's one word I want tattooed on my body, it is the one that means pleasure and pain at the same time. I don't know what that word is. I don't think it exists. Maybe that word is tattoo because a tattoo hurts like fuck when it is happening. But I'm thinking, my God, when this is over, it's going to look amazing. He's like a poet. So I've got the word tattoo on my wrist, and it fucking hurt like hell. Wrists, uh, wrist skin is sensitive. Please believe. God damn, that's good. <laughs> that's so stupid. It's incredible. Yeah, that is incredible, honestly. I just thought that was, that was a, that's a that good says window. Tattoo. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good window into his mind. I mean, that it's it's also saying something that like 
it really is like that does speak a lot about him as a person if 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 there is anything to be said about him as a person that's like at all meaningful that he thinks like the one thing that he can like latch onto and talk about at any length or like draw some sort of a metaphor out of is like yeah the, like the just the pain of getting a tattoo it's like I mean, I've gotten a tattoo before. It doesn't fucking hurt that bad, dog. Like, I'd, I'd rather... I would get tattoos any day of the week than get, like, any dental work done. It's He's fine. also drunk all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So how much is he really feeling? Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm just imagining Tommy Lee getting tattooed like a child gets, a, a like, an immunization or a vaccination. Just, like, seeing the <laughs> needle and starting to cry and freak out. Oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> Just needing to be distracted. <laughs> I think. Well, I got. I have two more things I want to get to before we wrap up the series here. One is like we don't have to get too deep into it. Where the chapter about how his dad died the week of nine eleven. Um, I just want to like. There's a bunch of stuff in there, but I just want to hit on his actual description of nine eleven because I think it's really worth uh, sharing with everybody. He's like on the television in the corner. I see the most insane act of terrorism in the history of mankind. I really wasn't sure what was real anymore. I had never seen so much death and I hope I never do again. My life was changing forever while the lives of everyone around me, all around us changed forever too. With that one act, that one event, those fucking assholes tore a hole in the world and changed everything as we know it. Man, I love how he can't think of a more descriptive word. He says those fucking assholes tore a hole. <laughs> like any, like I don't know, man. That's the like something you learn in like down. sixth grade to not use the same word twice in four words. How, how can we get Adam Curtis to read this? I want I want a recut. <laughs> I want a recut of hypernormalization with uh, Adam Curtis reading that passage from Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> I want an Adam Curtis Motley Crue documentary. Yes. Yeah, there we go. Really look into the abyss. None of them would I want to share some lyrics from Tired, which is one of the songs on the oh, Tommy yeah. Land album featuring Joel Madden of Good Charlotte. Um, and it's about being tired of your wife. And the chorus is, Well, Tommy got tired of Pamela. Ed got tired of Selma. Puffy got tired of J-Lo. And Ben did too. Hef gets tired of the Playboy girl. Someone's even tired of Miss Nude World. I'm just tired of you. Whoa. Damn. So deep, dude. So he's saying in 2005 that he got tired of Pamela Anderson. When did they get divorced? Yeah, some years before that. And it wasn't so much oh, that he was tired of her that he hit her. Uh... I don't know if that's like a fair. Yeah, he went to jail to for punching her, um, and he also uh, gave there, her Hep C. There, there's a long by line sharing of needles, sharing tattoo <laughs> needles. There, there's a long line of like uh, the history of rock songs. They're just uh, you know basically diss tracks towards your significant other, and he's just uh, contributing to that history. That's why he thought Eminem's Stan was, or not Eminem's. Um, uh, fuck, which one was he saying? Kim. Yeah, Kim. That's why he thought Kim was so good. <laughs> uh, well, oh, there's some other good lyrics in that song, though, Alex. Uh, one of the, the verses is... Well, actually, oh, there's two good verse parts. It's exciting in the beginning, the first four weeks, when you fuck five times a day. 
Um, but then it says, you know, something happens. It starts slipping away. It's not you and it's not me. I'd rather play Halo on my TV. <laughs> it's no defense, but it's all I've got to say. <laughs> amazing, amazing verse. Oh, on yeah, my TV. That is really good. For the rhyme. Playing Halo on the TV. Know, it's so bad. Oh, man. That's like. That's, uh, that's awesome, though, because that's like a song that it feels like anybody could write it. That's what makes it so beautiful. It's, like, it's universal. That's why it's punk. And that's it's just three chords in the. And that's why it spent uh, twelve months at the number in the number one slot on Billboard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do still have it pulled up. It uh, peaked at number sixty-two on the Billboard two hundred. Oh, wow. I can't even believe it charted. That's that's kind of insane. I know. <laughs> it got promoted a lot. It had its own TV show. Yeah, I don't know what anyway. was. What was the main product they were trying to sell? I guess it was the album. Yeah. And I then guess it was they made the TV show to promote the album and then had uh, the book to promote the album. Yeah. Then they also did Supernova, which had a lot of overlap. I think, too, it was probably just Tommy Lee's um, effort to become, like, a brand himself, you know? Yeah, there's a really huge marketing push. He did it multiple times. He did it in 1998, I think, where he had that sort of new metal album, and he's doing it now, but I don't think it's... It's not taken. Like he, he can't tour or anything, and he's also very old now. Well, but we he did is just married him to a Vine star. We just gave him four hours of free press, so it's working. We're talking about him more than anyone else. Wait, wait. He's married to a Vine star? Did, did you... Did we talk about this before? Yeah. Is that right? They've been married for a while. I did not know that. A Vine star? Like a person that became famous because yeah. of mm -hmm. Vine? Yeah. Oh, that's weird. What's her deal? Um, Not much other than Vine. And obviously getting with Tommy Lee. Yeah. The, like the obvious. On Wikipedia, it says famous for Vine. <laughs> Which... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess if she's married to Tommy Lee, she's got a source of income forever. Yeah, you'd think she would move on to YouTube or something. I'm, su I'm sure she's doing something. Well, I think we should close this out with the last couple lines of the book. Yeah, I'm not opening this book again. Yeah, I mean, neither. <laughs> we have, we've stared into the abyss, and the abyss has stared back at us. So the very final like epilogue of the book is sort of like metatextual, where he's talking about him and his ghostwriter... Like, you know, working so hard on this book and all the pizzas and the beers they had while they're working <laughs> on it. But um, the way he veers off in the last couple sentences of it, um, he's describing his ghostwriter and like how they got to finish it. And he's like, we'd better go. He's not looking so good. And he thinks he's special Ed from Cranky Yankers right now. Oh, we are out man. of here. Goodbye and good luck. Man. That's a very what? 2005 thing to say. Exactly. That's an amazing way to end your book. Is let's just end on a reference to Crank Yankers yeah. and just Yankers. end it. <laughs> he thinks he's special, man. Ed. <laughs> so cool. I don't know. I don't really have anything to say about. I mean, if if we're supposed to summarize our thoughts now about the entire work, mm -hmm. um, I feel like I didn't walk away with anything. I feel like I walked away with less than I had before, maybe. Was that your fault? Something of mine something of mine was left in the pages of this PDF of this book that I skimmed and did not read as much of as the rest of you guys. 
I feel like... Uh, uh, was it my fault? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably. I feel like Tommy Lee offered you a lot, and you uh, didn't open yourself to him. Well, here's the thing is I, I did I did read a bit of it uh, before we did the first recording, and then it's almost like I was looking for a thread that wasn't there. And so every time like a new chapter would start, and it just seemed like, you know, that kind of, I guess, dog brain thing or whatever, I just felt like uh, I was investing... Uh, time and energy into this this pit and it, it demoralized me and that's why i've recorded all these podcasts laying on the ground <laughs> <laughs> this book is simply a series of vignettes that's why they seem inter like loosely interlinked yeah, it's like uh it's like shortcuts um i will say the, the one thing that i did notice at the, at the end of his <sighs> Well, this whatever whatever you want to call this collection of words that he is thrust upon uh, a countless yeah that's 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 a, a very diplomatic way of putting it um he's thrust upon all these readers including us um is he says thanks to my webmaster jj and then in and quotes mr gizmology bujaski and his team for all your hard work and an amazing website and i I would really, really, really fucking like to see that website. Yes. It's probably on archive.org. They probably... Oh, yeah. Go to, go to archive. Go to the Wayback Machine. Pull it up. Can you imagine being Tommy Lee's webmaster in 2005 where you probably just set up like an Angel Fire site in 10 minutes and he paid you like $5,000 to do it? <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, okay, so I, I searched archive.org Tommy Land on Google real quick just to look, and the second um, the second thing that comes up is full text of Leisure Suit Larry, Magna Cum Laude, manual and cover. <laughs> so, <laughs> was he in that game? Uh, I don't know. Let me, is he let a me, playable uh, character? Let me, con let me control F that real quick. Oh shit! Yeah. Oh no. Okay. It's just girls, girls, girls is in it. Never mind. Oh, okay. That makes I sense. saw. I, I saw written by Tommy Lee, but then I looked up two lines and it's music. Girls, girls, girls. <laughs> like and I was like, man, he have a version. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess I guess that was. What else was in there? Pop that coochie by Luther Campbell. Uh, Me so horny. Okay. So two songs by Two Live Crew. Uh, Yakety sex. <laughs> we are family. I'm too Great sexy. Soundtrack. Uh, yeah, actually, it's not All bad, if, if I'm being honest here. Yeah, yeah, this is a real murderer's row of uh, people who uh, could possibly contribute a song to the little Leisure Suit Larry game. Yeah, tune in to the next month of this show where we talk about Leisure Suit Larry for four hours. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I have to say, I, I played Leisure Suit Larry one time, and it was, uh, it was on Eat Chain, and the funniest part about that was... If you have sex for the first time with this woman and you forget to take the condom off and then like you're fully clothed. But if you forget to like remove condom from your inventory or whatever and throw it out and then you go outside, a police officer arrests you immediately like he knows you're wearing it despite the fact that you're fully clothed. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I definitely got Billy clubbed by him the first time I tried to play it. I had to reload it. And, See, and there, why, why those games are not forgiven. for having a condom? He was like, the cop's like, I see you there, pervert. Come here. And you try to run from him and he like hits you over the head with a billy club and you go to jail and that's game over. And uh, oh, for whatever reason, I thought that that was that was extremely funny. That just like there's some sort of 
there's cops out there that just know they can look at you and it's like they, they just know like this motherfucker has, like, has a condom, condom on. I, I can... police. <laughs> yes, <this laughs> got it on. Like, they just look at a guy and if he's got a condom on under his pants, like Bad Boys by Inner Circle starts playing in his head immediately and he just chases you down and throws you onto the asphalt. <laughs> Great game. Yeah, well... I think uh, we certainly read something these last four weeks. It's technically a book. So, yeah, thanks, uh, Derek and CJ, for sticking it out all the way. It was a great time. Yeah. yeah I feel like I've learned a lot. I feel misled, but uh, I feel like, uh, yeah, a lot of information has passed from one ear to the other. I mean, I, I, don't, know, I, don't, I don't know what else to say. I, I feel a little bit like... At the end of this, maybe there was some kind of epiphany that maybe at least one of us was. I mean, I know have. what I'm gonna play. I know what I'm gonna put on my phone speaker when, you know, if if at any point I have a kid and uh, you know during the whole birth process, I, I definitely know I'm gonna throw Orbital on there. Yeah, and also you're try, in the and hospital, in the room as they're delivering the baby, and you're just blasting mm-hmm. it on your phone. I'm gonna try to get in the hospital bed and then yell yell at my wife for uh, <laughs> for man spreading too hard, so I can't fit in there. Uh, <laughs> um yeah i guess that's i guess that's my takeaway there yeah so cj actually got something valuable he knows uh what he's gonna do if he has kids so yeah Yeah. i'm sorry derek is is there anything uh, yep i'm gonna put on orbital i'm gonna not get a pool yeah no pool I haven't been paying no. attention to. Uh, is there anything anybody else? I haven't, learned? I haven't been paying attention to anything that's happened in the outside world for the last month because I've just been absorbed and and kind of sucked into Tommyland. So I'm excited to, you know, open the metaphorical front door and take a big lungful of fresh air and look around, see see uh, see the world again. You know, see how good it is. See all the good news in the newspaper. Yeah, what's yep. what's the good news? Uh, what's going on? That's what I want to know. Christ is reborn. <laughs> cool. Well, yeah, Derek and CJ, thanks again. Thus Thank concludes you. the Tommy right. Lee book club. Thus concludes part one. <laughs> no, 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 no. Come out with a new memoir. No, we're done. <laughs> On the sunset strip, they got those long, long legs and those long, long thighs and.